Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Sora Stoltz, and as per usual, it's my pride, honor, and privilege to welcome each and every one of you to nonstop sports right here on the Anchor Recording app. And oh boy, do we got going for you today? I say it every time, and they're good shows every time. So you know, I I, I fly. You can't. You you are very consistent with your openings. <laughs> by the way, it's like since the first of show I've ever been on. That's it. you've always had the same thing. Good consistency. Yeah. Yep. Voices you hear would be Zach Weinberger and JP Costa. They do amazing work over at the University Press. Um, I'm sure they'll give their fillers on what they do later. But it's been a while since you guys heard from us. It's been nine days, last show. And a very many things have happened in the world of sports, particularly in the world of NBA playoff basketball, which is where our main focus and our first focus is going to be. So... Uh, just to recap, the second round is beginning underway. The first round is nearly over. There is one series left in all of the first round. And that will end tonight at 9 as the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets getting set for a Game 7 after OKC forced one in Game 6. All of the games they've won have been close. All the games they've lost have been uh, obliterations. So I'm very excited to watch this game tonight. Um, catching on TNT and Zach, J- JP and I were talking about before the before we started recording, but I have OKC in this series. I've been saying it all year long. I said before the playoffs started, I said OKC in seven. They're going to win their first round playoff series, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on if a Russell Westbrook and James Harden led team can um, put this three CP3 led team away. I think they will. I think my original prediction was Rockets in six, I believe. Um, as much as I want you to be correct, Sawyer, because I, I love me a good upset, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. As much, it was very impressive to watch a couple days ago and that game six victory for the Thunder. Just watch Chris Paul just take control of the, take control of the game late against the Rockets. It was really a sight to see. Um, and I, I think I've said in my statements about James Harden here before already, like multiple times. Um, but I do think they'll get it done. And I just got to say this real quick, because I, I, to me, I just, if the Thunder win, and I think this is not even a hot take, I feel like everybody probably would agree with this. I think Dan Tony's gone. Oh, um, oh yeah. Uh, so the Thunder with Chris Paul, Shai Gilgis, Alexander, Stephen Adams, and yeah, that, that would be a really t- a tough series loss for the Rockets. But I think they handle stuff done. As you said before, like when the Thunder lose, they lose in pretty bad fashion. Um, and I can see that you can see all the heart in game six. I just don't know if they'll keep that same consistency going in game seven. So I have the Thunder, but man, Sawyer, I am rooting for the Thunder. That is that is what I will say. But my prediction sticks with sticks with the Rockets. I said Rockets in I believe either six or seven at the beginning of the playoffs. I'm still gonna go with the Rockets tonight. I don't know who I'm going to be rooting for because I think both teams are actually pretty enjoyable to watch. Nope. In Continue. my opinion, they're both pretty enjoyable <laughs> no, good. to watch. But in order for Houston to win this game seven, Russell Westbrook has to play better. He can't turn the ball over. That's really the biggest thing. He committed so many turnovers, and it wasn't like it was like charge charges or anything like that. It was unforced errors. It showed rust, you know? No pun intended. (laughs) For the Rockets to win, they need Westbrook to not turn the ball over, 
him to play with a better pace, you know. A lot of times in game six, Russ was trying to get – he was trying to knock some of the cobwebs off, and he was going really fast. That's what Russell Westbrook does so well. He plays, he plays basketball at a speed that few people in NBA history have played a game at before. Mm-hmm. But now he needs to start slowing it back down and getting the offense flowing within how the Rockets had it flowing before he went down with injury. So if they can do that, I think the Rockets win. I think James Harden is going to have another unbelievable night. But um, shout out to the Thunder. They, we said going in, it's going to be a hard-fought series. They've given them everything they they have. Chris Paul, once again, showing he's one of the most clutch players in the NBA. And I do especially want to give a shout out to, and I know we kind of rag on him for shooting bricks at the three-point line, but Lou Dort has done an amazing job oh, yeah. with James Harden. And it's, he's not making anything easy on him. Every basket is a tough step back three, or he's going into the body to get a layup. And that's what you have to do against James Harden. You have to make life difficult for him. And Lou Dort has done an amazing job of that. So, sorry, real quick, I, before you say, I just want to, obviously, I think uh, JP kind of mentioned this, and I did as well in, my, in our talks with about this game. But the one thing that shows off, just looking at the box score, is obviously Westbrook with seven turnovers. Um, and it's pretty much, it's, it, you don't really need to know basketball to really watch and see what the problem is. He's really forcing up a lot of playmaking abilities. We know the guy is a facilitator and he can do a lot of things. But uh, you can tell that the nerves and maybe like what uh, JP said, the Russ was getting there. Obviously, with the injury, he had to miss a couple of games. But um, I think that's kind of like the key to this game seven is that we need Westbrook to get back to Westbrook form, so to speak. Um, but, yeah, so that needs to be fixed. Yeah, and, and he's, he's in a, obviously a ridiculously difficult position because he has not played um, in the bubble, you know. And when you're just thrown into that kind of environment, it's it's very challenging to uh, it's very challenging to adjust to you know no no um, no crowd. It's not your, your typical warm up routine. So it's 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 he's in a difficult spot because he only has one game to fix it, or else their season's over. So I I fully predict that Russ Westbrook have a huge game, and I fully predict that James Harden is going to have a good game, not a great game, but I think James Harden have a good game. I'm sticking with okay, um, but to go back on what JP was talking about with Mike D'Antoni, I think D'Antoni has had uh, ample time to prove uh, that this Houston Rocket system can work. You know, small ball, shooting a bunch of threes, and um, he's he's only been there for five years. This is his fifth season as the Rockets head coach, so that's kind of the magic number of when you will lose your job. If you look at Nate McMillan, who I'm going to get into later. Um, he got fired after his fifth season with uh, the Indiana Pacers after being swept three times in, in his years in Indiana. So, uh, yeah, his, his life's on the line. And I think more importantly, Russell Westbrook's life's on the line because ever since KD left, his success in the playoffs has not been anything. And I'm starting to believe the criticism that I've been hearing that just cannot win with him on his team and he's not a good teammate. They still have time to fix that, but, I mean, historically, if you look at it, I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know if it's a him thing, but he's only been in the finals once. 
and that was with Kevin Durant. So, see, I think Russell Westbrook is a good teammate, and I think he's shown that and been active with like coaching and helping with the players, even when he didn't play. So, like I said before, he plays the game so fast that nobody else on the team can keep up. And if he's going to get, if he's going 110% every time, he expects everybody else to be going 110%. But the problem is, his 110 is out of everybody else's reach. They can't keep up with him. So that comes on to either coaching to try and surround him with better players, or it comes down to him being able to rein back in that offense, that going full speed every time that's going to cause a lot of unforced errors. But if we're going to talk, can we talk about the Thunder real quick? And uh, in game six, four out of their yep. five starters had double figures in points. That's Lou Dort, Shai Gillis-Alexander, Chris Paul, and Danilo Gallinari. He had, and he had 12 off the bench from Dennis Schroeder. That's a winning combination. You get a bunch the of d- guys pouring in gonna- points. If you, look at, if you look at the Rockets, James Harden had 32. That's a, that's a normal James Harden then. Westbrook had 17, and Robert Covington had 18. Eric Gordon only had nine points. Three of 12 shooting, one of six from three. He's got to step it up. He's been their secondary score if Westbrook isn't on. So he has to step it up and play a little better. For them the difference for OKC is going to be Stephen Adams. If Stephen Adams can give you... 14, 15, 16 points to go along with rebounding, that would be the difference in the game. And then, as you said, uh, JP, the difference for the Rockets is going to be Eric Gordon. When he has a, when he has a big game, they're nearly impossible to guard because then you got to worry about Eric Gordon, and then you also have Westbrook and you have Harden, along with the shooters they have all around them. So it's going to come down to them. Um, I'm very excited to watch that series. We have a lot more to talk about. So I want to go ahead and recap um, – the other Western Conference uh, Game 7, which was Utah and Denver. And holy moly, what a series it was. Utah was up 3-1, and Denver won three consecutive games, becoming – there's it's a very small number that that has happened in the NBA where a team is – I think it's the tw- they're the yeah. 12th team to come back. They pull it off, one. and mm-hmm. uh, Denver now advances for the second round, and they will be playing the Los Angeles Clippers. But I just want to say with the Utah Jazz – it was a great series. I honestly don't think they did anything wrong defensively. Um, they were getting highly scrutinized for not guarding Jamal Murray as tight, but this guy was hitting ridiculous shots in games five, six, and seven. Excuse me, in games four, five, and six. Ridiculous. But what really changed? What really changed is in game seven, Jamal Murray didn't have that great of a night. In game seven, Donovan Mitchell took that assignment yep. of guarding Jamal Murray. So, before it was, I think, when Conley came back in, Conley was guarding Jamal Murray, or um, I think it was Royce O'Neal. Yep, Royce O'Neal. I think that's his name. But, but Donovan Mitchell took that assignment, game seven. This was a very 90s-ish basketball game. Score was 80 to 78. Not a lot of – this was a polar opposite to the 50-point scoring bombs – that we've seen in this series. Most and series, was, though, JP, when they contract. go down in Game 7, it is a lot of low-scoring games. Like, that's what happened with Philly-Toronto last year. 
Um, they're, they're always going to be low scoring games because that's when the pressure is on and you're, you're not going to take shots that you normally would take in other games that aren't as pressure on. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying it's like a bad thing. I'm saying like, it was a real interesting, like contrast from the right. scoring explosions that we had seen in games so, one through six. Um, when me and, uh, Sawyer so were talking about this, uh, through a little nice, uh, session of, uh, Call of Duty, um, <laughs> I was pretty much saying, listen, Jamal Murray, as, as much as as much as the guy is super talented, and especially when scoring the basketball, um, he's very streaky, like we've said multiple times. So I said, if the guy doesn't have that great of a game, game seven, I can easily see the Jazz winning this winning this basketball game. I was right in the Jamal Murray part, seven for twenty one, one for six from deep. It's just that I did not expect the Jazz to score seventy eight points, um, which is where that whole thing was. And obviously, even still, um, Denver almost cost themselves at the end by trying to score a layup. I don't know why they did that. Because um, Conley shut up was one in. Um, but, I mean, I had Denver to begin with. I think I had them in six, seven games. But I, th- I think even still, that even though they scored 78 points here, um, I still think that people undermined the Jazz coming into the series. I mean, people thought that going into this, this was going to be an easy kind of like, maybe five, six games sort of thing. I thought it was six, but, I mean, I think that we, like JP said, the 50-game explosions that we've seen from Donovan Mitchell and, and the rest of the squad has been making a lot of impact plays. I mean, the Jazz came out to play. Uh, the question is, where does the Jazz go from here? Because I feel like, I mean, are they just going to be this type of team uh, for the for the coming years, especially in a really just packed West of just so many special teams there? Um, go ahead. Well, I hate well, I hate to make an excuse for the Jazz, but you could really tell that they missed yeah. Bogdanovich. He was their other guy who could create a shot outside of Conley and Donovan Mitchell. They were relying on Jordan Clarkson to get them some shots and create yeah, I mean, shots. I, I kind of agree because you look at the stats here. That's, I mean, you see the percentage from deep, and it's you know it's kind of kind of poor. Um, which I mean, just saying about Bogdanovich is it's entirely correct. I mean, what made him a crucial part of that team was because he he could not only be a spot up shooter, but he could move out the ball and get shot, a la Clay Thompson. Not as good as Clay Thompson, but but he was that guy that could just ground, always have eyes on you. Have to make sure you stay tight on him or he'll knock down a shot, and that would open open up the driving lanes. But I was going to go back to Conley and Clarkson thing. Clarkson thing. I was saying it last in our last show. They were the difference. When Conley came in the first two games played, he scored 26 points and 27 points. And then Clarkson was that spark off the bench that would get you instant offense. They did not have a good game seven. Ergo, they lose the game. I didn't think they'd be able to keep that up, but that, that, that was the difference for, for you. And then you look at Denver, the guy that everybody thought was going to have a big playoff run but didn't was Michael Porter Jr. I think he only had really one good game and then – it was his first time in the playoffs, so that was like a good experience for him. But I knew that he was not going to have crazy games like he was having at the end of the regular season. But he did. No, he, did. he did have quality minutes, though. Michael Porter, Michael Porter Jr. had the highest plus-minus on the team at the end of the game. He was plus eight. But I don't know why I thought this, but Nikola Jokic had a very quiet 30 points mm-hmm. and 14 rebounds. Like, I checked the stats yep. now, and I'm just like, hey, he had 30? Wow, I didn't think that. But 
that was what was kind of missing in the Nuggets' losses. They needed Jokic to come up when they needed. Well, well, he I mean, he did. He did in Game Seven. Obviously, they played two games. This game, you saw it. So he's he's. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's gotten used to that pressure more because think about Denver as a as a team. This is their third straight game seven, so they 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 know what the pressure feels like. They know to relax. And another thing about coaching is like Mike Malone, like they they they've worked with him enough, and I think not enough teams in the league stick with their coaches through thick and thin. And they've rode with Mike Malone for quite some time now before they were making the playoffs. So. Shout out to the Nuggets. They're going to play the Clippers. That game is going to be, I believe, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. But let's talk about the yeah, – speaking of the Clippers, let's talk about the Mavericks. Let's go ahead and recap their season. They got it to six games. Um, and nothing to be, to be, to be you know, holding your heads about. Porzingis could have changed the complexion of the series. But uh, Dallas Mavericks going forward for the, their future – they have a very, very secure future, and I'm excited to see if they make any big-time moves or if they can m- maybe attract a, uh, a big-time free agent. I've, I think that the Mavericks were – they gave it the best they could considering the situations that they had. You know, Porzingis gets ejected game one. In a game that they were up before he got ejected, they end up losing that game. Then Porzingis gets hurt. He's out. Um, Luka Doncic, who played phenomenally the whole series, is on a bum ankle in game six. It was clear he was not 100%. And they go out and they play as best they could. I think the Mavericks' future is solely in Luka Doncic's hands. He's going to – he is their face. He's their star. I have heard rumors – and the small rumors that the Mavericks could be in play <laughs> in the event that Giannis doesn't stay in Milwaukee. In the in the event oh, that he man. doesn't. But again, that is a rumor, and I doubt it happens because I think Giannis will probably stay in Milwaukee. But the Mavericks have a great team, as is. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Mavericks are guy, they're great. I mean, listen, when you have a guy like Luka Doncic who can pretty much impact every play he's in, um, you have something special there. Even in, even in a loss, he puts up all the effort. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'm going to go that far as to say that they're they're a ph- phenomenal team. I think we we all can agree there. Uh, they obviously have some stuff that that can definitely use some work, whether it be on the wing or anywhere else. Um, but I think that Luka and Kristaps is a pretty damn good start to have to construct a team and you also have a good coach there so i mean you have the utilities there to to make huge runs in the playoffs each year and year and out um and i and who knows if they can attract someone just by the market that's going to be in play even when like you mentioned Giannis, which um i don't see dallas at all as, as a place that he can go no. other, you know other than staying in milwaukee which i think is probably most likely but um i, I i'm trying to think of like who else can go there? I mean, there's probably other players, but I think that Dallas is pretty much one or two moves away to get a big guy that can they, they really contend in the West. Yep. And 
obviously, once again, this was like a win-win for me because I'm a Clippers and a Mavericks fan. So the, regardless of the winner, I come out a winner. But... Well, excuse me, real oh quick gosh. though. I mean, taking the Clippers to six games though, that, that, that's very impressive when a lot of those games did not have the unicorn there. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. All, all credit to, to, to Carlisle, Donkic, everybody on that team. They played play their hearts out. Just obviously wasn't enough. I mean, the Clippers are – they're pretty much one of the two teams people picked to basically win the chip this year. So, um, yeah, shout, shout out to them for sure. Another team that w- was was questionable at first. I never really believed it, but the Bucks Magic series. We have to recap that one. Magic won the first one just like they did last year against Toronto in the first round, and then continued to lose the next four games. However, the games were, the games were were pretty closely contested yes. for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know if Orlando has the market or really the uh, like the lure to get better next year. Um, that would just have to be through draft picks and improvement and obviously health. But um, all about Milwaukee right now. It's all about Milwaukee right now. Okay. What I will say about the Magic is, and this is just personal for the Magic, I want the magic to be so good. I just I want the magic to be good so bad. Because if you look at the guys that they have there, they have the potential to be one of the better defensive teams in the NBA, just based on who they have. I mean, Mo Bamba was injured. He didn't play in the series. Jonathan Isaac played in like one game. Then he was gone. Aaron Gordon didn't play. It's all about health. Um, it's all about health. Who else? Michael Carter Williams didn't play. They weren't healthy at all. Nikola Vucevic did as much as he humanly could to keep them in those games. But I really just want the Magic to be good just so we can have that kind of – I know it'll never happen, but those games between the Magic and the Heat, just that kind of local rivalry between both teams being really good and it be more competitive. But, yeah, I think this was never in doubt. Yeah, me too. Like I said, I thought the Bucks were going to sweep. But, like I said, the Magic have I don't, I don't, I, good pieces in place. They just need they need, one, they need something I'll tell, else. I'll tell you what, though, when just kind of looking at knows how to win. that first game that the Magic won, I mean, if you go back and watch it and look at the stats, I mean, Vucevic put out pretty much the game of his life <laughs> in that game. And you pretty much needed that every single game. And obviously that's not – you really can't ask that much from him. He's an, obviously one of the most underrated players probably in the game right now. Um, so, obviously, the Magic were never going to win this series as much as I wanted them to. It's just that they're not matching up uh, with the Bucks like I know another team does, which we'll talk about soon. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> but, no, but seriously, though, I mean, I don't think I was ever in doubt that they were going to win that series. I do think, though, that the, the fact that it was close for a lot of those five games um, – still probably disappoints Giannis um, and pretty much everybody involved in that, in that organization. Um, I mean, each game was within 20. I don't know if that's well, I mean, like, yeah, which, I mean, game, the, num- like, the numbers out. are always going to be kind of uh, skewed because obviously last two minutes, it was closer than it was. And you, they, they writing fouls, like, cause they're just trying to put points on the board. So it was, it's, it's closer than what the story told. Like, I think aside from one game, like uh, out of the four losses, I only think one of the games was like out of question. But I think for the rest of them, the three other losses were like close. Like it came down to the fourth quarter. 
basically. It wasn't decided at like halftime. Like a lot of these other series were decided at halftime. See, I'm like I said, I do think Orlando has do they? the pieces. No, I, I don't, they don't have I don't, do they have the pieces? Knows how to win. I see, I, 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 I see them regressing, the, if anything. Yes. I think they have I don't no, think I, they can go they can't, get, they can't get anywhere past but, the first uh, round. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I, think, I don't know about. I think, like I said, they need somebody who knows how to win, a veteran who can start. And I'm just saying this just out of hypotheticals. Don't think this is a rumor or anything that I've but seen. I'm trying Twitter. to think of like just uh, hypotheticals. Who? Who would they try to attract just, to Orlando? You know, what I'm trying to say like I don't think that's a spot that people want to go to. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be attracting, it'd be a dude, trade. Dude. They would trade. Yeah, I agree with that. They would okay, but like, I'm talking about which which guy. You know what I'm saying? Which and which player would go ahead and pretty much impact the team? Because even if you get a pretty nice star to go over there, I, I really don't I think you get past the first round still. I will be very surprised. I think, I think, one, I think one guy, I think one guy uh, they could get. That's what I was talking about. I think one guy but, that gives the Yeah, that's, that's a first I would, round exit if I, I ever heard of it. I was going to say Bradley Beal. That's, that's not bad. Potentially. Oh, I, I don't think they can. But I want to. I don't think they have well, in a, like. In a they're going to have to give up a lot. On a good team. So he's, he's the one guy I, I on a good team really, really bad that can I, impact. Waiting for. I really, I really just want the Magic to be good because, again, they can be one of the better defensive teams in the league just based on who they have. Like, you could run a starting lineup with Jonathan Isaac, who's near seven feet tall as your small forward, Mo Bamba, who has a seven-foot-nine wingspan standing, and then Nikola Vucevic. That, team, that defensive team yeah, but, in the front court would be insane. But you, you again, can't play that big in today's game. Knows how to win. You're going to get just absolutely lit up from the three-point line. But the thing is, those oh, Bamba can't except for Vucevic, move. Can't those guys can all move. Guards? No, he cannot. You're out of your mind. Yes, he can. He can't move on these guards. He's gonna get his ankle Mo broke. Bamba well, here's the thing: whether he can move I'm or not, not, I just, I mean, we we talk about the Orlando Magic. Like, I I really don't see any of those guys that we've met, mentioned to go to the Magic, and they're still not a first on exit. Personally, man, that's what I'm, like they they will always be knocking on the door of the playoffs. Like they're not gonna they're gonna play hard, but they won't have the talent to do anything. Can we move on? We're talking about Orlando way too much. There's a lot of important I just think Orlando. I really want Orlando to be good. If you, if the fans Only and the listeners don't know, so that I really Miami want the Magic them, it'll to actually be good. Mean something. It's not that you care. Wow, big, big yikes right there from Florida. And also, I think, about them. And 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 Jonathan Isaac went to Florida State. One so, last thing before, because you know, I, I kind of agree that. we should not be talking about Orlando this much. I, I really, I don't care about Orlando at all. Even though, even though, to me, like I honestly root for every Florida team that's that makes the playoffs besides the Miami team. So whatever, but like I, I just there's no reason to root for them. They're, they're the most basic team. Um, they have a, a couple players I really enjoy watching. Like Vucevic is definitely one of those guys. I just, I just don't see him adding someone like we've mentioned that just the first. It's not a first round exit still, so, but we can move on. Yeah, so Milwaukee was the one seed, play the eight seed. Eight seed won the first game. They won the next four. 
Exact same thing happened in the West with the Lakers, losing game one to the Blazers, who were the eighth seed, and then they won the next four. Now, when we talk about Portland, there are several questions that can be asked about their future and their next season. And this is a team that the year prior was the third seed in the West, made it to the Western Conference Finals, and then this year, right from the jump, something went wrong. I don't know if it was I, – I don't think it was solely Nurkic being gone, but this team just didn't look the same. They were constantly playing from behind. They had a miraculous run in the bubble to get to the eight seed, which was impressive, but you're playing the Lakers, you're playing LeBron James, who got woken up after the first game, and they proceeded to win the next four. So, Zach, I'm going to ask you. Can this Portland team progress, stay the same, or regress? Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say you know, but judging by the record, I guess the answer is progress, just because I think they'll win a couple more games. But in actuality, um, I think they'll stay the same. I I don't see a team with Hassan Whiteside getting any better. Um, personally, for me, I just listen. I just feel bad for Dame. Um, that guy is a stone cold killer. He could score high high numbers every single night if he wanted to. You have CJ there. It's just again, it's like even I don't want to compare them to the Magic because I think they're honestly way better than the Magic. Oh, um, but I think that they're they're the same in the fact that I don't think they're going to go bigger places after this season. I just. I mean, I don't think they can attract people. I'm not sure what their budget looks like. I just think that that's a team that's really just in stagnant position. Say it again? You don't think they can attract people? Like who? I, I think they could attract people because you have three guys that are tradable. Like who? Three guys that that can – will three guys that are actually valuable trade pieces. Please don't tell me Hassan is one of them. Hassan Whiteside is one of them. Okay. All right. Gary – I don't know who – I don't know who's going to them. Go oh, one. God. And then Anthony Simons is the third one. Who was the second one? I didn't hear. The, I didn't hear the second one. Gary Trent. Gary Trent. Okay. Gary Trent Jr. Gary out Trent. Portland. But if you trade, Anthony Simons, if you I don't know how Gary this Trent. guy hasn't played more in Portland. Um, he yeah. made a difference, honestly, in the in the bubble and in the Lakers series. Anthony Simons is going to be a stud. So they have guys you can trade, and they have Mario Zonia, but I don't think anybody wants him anymore. The 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 the, the uh, former first round draft pick. For Orlando, speaking of Orlando, but look, my stance on the Blazers has stayed the same since the beginning of the season, and it's been the same since they got to the bubble. And I've said it when they are playing the Lakers. No, they do not. They don't play defense. They just don't. Like they traded their best wing defender to get a Son Whiteside. Mo yeah. Harkless is gone. All. Rodney Hood, All their defenders I don't gone. think he played because he was hurt. But even then, Alfred Aminu is gone. They have no defense on the perimeter. That's why LeBron had like 38. Because there was, again, I'll ask again. You expect Melo well. don't, to don't guard be LeBron? Mad at, don't be mad at Gary Trent? He played. All I'm asking is, on logically, no. Do you expect Melo to guard the LeBron? <laughs> okay. That's all I'm saying. 
they're going to stay the same. I'll tell you what, though. Listen, they add even though they'll stay the same, they're fun to watch. Game. I mean, I love watching Damian Lillard. I love what I love. At least they make like, some games competitive. They're fun to watch because they don't play defense, and Damian he does it too. That's the best part. So I mean, like, and I don't even think. I don't even think Damian Lillard plays yeah, defense that well energy. because he has to go shoot the ball the every time. That, like, that is weird is if you look at the Western Conference, you have to look at what teams they can be better than. The only team in the top eight that I could see Portland being better than next year is probably OKC because OKC obviously is going to go through a lot of roster changes. So right. Portland can be better than them, but they're not going to be better than Utah. No. Dallas, no. Even these teams that were behind them, like Sacramento could get better. New Orleans could very much yes. get better next year. Like, yeah. They're just going to be in such spot now. Well, even then, we have to think about like no, Utah not regressed what? from last year. I think no. they were they were, they no, were they higher progressed. in the playoffs last year. Are you year? kidding me? Way better. No, I'm saying based on <laughs> I'm saying on seeding. If you look at the eight teams trigger me, from last JP. year seeding and this a- year. Don't- don't I'm saying me. on last year and this year. Just look at the seating. I'm just saying. I'm just saying they weren't at the spot they expected oh, to be. Oh, what were they expecting? Neither were the Blazers. Look, they were the, they were four the seed, like but they all they had identical seed. records. JP, like the f- f- four, five, sixty, like they had the. I, they're all in the same spot. They're all bundled up. So the team doesn't... I'm just. I'm just saying. It's you just gonna just they're gonna average back even, up. I'm thank God Sawyer is it's flaming right triggered. now. I am triggered. They're gonna, they're gonna average back up. I'm not saying that they're gonna no, be you talking better. better. I'm not saying they're gonna be worse. They're gonna be they're gonna be say, they're gonna say the same. Utah, Utah probably be better. I don't think Portland that's plays what, defense. That, that, you, so that's my point. Why'd you say that? I'm saying Portland. There's only OKC is the only team that is not gonna be in the playoffs next year. I don't think. I don't think they'll playoff team next year because. They're going to shed so many of their guys, and a lot of people are going to want Gallinari. A lot of guys are going to want Chris Paul. So, like, they're not going to stay there. So, Portland can be better than them, but even San Antonio, for instance, they they might be able to – because San Antonio can always attract talent, always. Because who doesn't want to play for Pop? So, Portland might be uh, – it, 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 like, for, for Dame and CJ to succeed – they might have to wear a different uniform. That's what I'm saying. No, that's not going to happen. Have to you, you are the player defense. that you are. You're not going to get better at defense if you've been not playing. So, I don't think. Yes, so. you can. I don't think... <laughs> I, the way that JP I, said that, it seemed like he was going to get try. sad for a second. He's like, "Oh, they got to try." try. <laughs> okay, moving on. Moving on. Just moving try on, and play on. defense. Try Let's and move on to the second the round because I know I'm... that Zach is dying to talk about this. Is why we're going to start with first the Celtics and Raptors. So, Celtics, oh, Celtics, wow. Celtics are up 2-0. That's a straight soul uh, move. I kind of saw this coming. The, obviously, it's not over yet, but it's a must-win for Toronto tomorrow. Uh, they have to win this game 3-0. So they're going to be down 3-0, and no team has come back from 3-0. So, um, but we kind of saw this coming. Uh, the, it's just not a good matchup for Toronto because their their backcourt can't compete with Tatum. Walker, even Marcus Smart has been lighting it up in this series from distance, and um, Jalen Brown. So, I I, I think this is going to be a quick series. This this could this could be a four game series, could be a five game series. This could this could be over very very quickly. 
and it, it, they don't find a way to slow down uh, the backcourt because Boston is just they're 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 pretty scary. But even if you slow down, and this is the thing about the Celtics, if you slow down Tatum, yep. who had twenty one the first game, you got Marcus Smart who had twenty one in game one. Jalen Brown at seventeen. Kimball Walker had 18. Daniel yep. Tice had 13. All five of their starters were in double figures in game one. Game two, you try and slow down uh Kimball Walker and Jason and uh Jalen Brown. Jason yep. Tatum's like, all and right. The thing about I'll them just go is they 34. are so unselfish. They don't care who so the shots are coming from. They just want to win. They just want to win. They don't they don't care who has the limelight. They they don't care who who has, you know, like who's there is no there is no one guy on this team. This is not a main guy team. Like Miami, it's Jimmy Butler's team. Milwaukee, it's Giannis's team. With the Celtics, I, I I can't really say that this is Tatum's team or this is Walker's team or this is Brown's team because they're so unselfish, and that's what makes them very very difficult to contain and guard. And, and defensively, they're they're very solid. They've held yeah under hundred twice. Defensively, they they've done yep. a great job on yeah, so, uh, guarding uh, Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so obviously we're going the series. I, I had Celtics also winning this uh the series as well. I, I I said in seven games, which I mean, I still think it will be. I think Toronto's too tough of a team to not get back down. Um, but I mean, we've all been saying that we have, there's like again, there's three guys in this on the Celtics team that could score twenty on, on any single night, and they just take their turns. Um, but it helps when you have other players like 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 a Marcus Smart uh, help out there, who was obviously clutching game two there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, the guy just plays you know, uber amount of minutes as well. I mean, the guy is very, very impactful when he's not even scoring the basketball in itself. Like, the guy is a, he's a facilitator. He's a great defensive player. Uh, but that's pretty much, the you know, a result of the Boston system, that which is why I love the Celtics so much kind of going into this playoffs is because, you know, you have players there who, who maybe are not fantastic, like on the bench or even like in, in still in the starting roster that could still be impactful in any way they could. Um, and I think Brad Stevens has a lot to do with that. But listen, you can't take it away from Tatum. You can't take it away from Brown and even Kemba Walker. Yep. Um, so to me, like the Celtics, I mean, uh, even though, again, like I said, I, I think that the Raptors will still make this a really tough series. Um, obviously, you can't rely on Marcus Smart to have the, the end of the game performance like he did. You still got to be more consistent on offense. Again, 102 points. It's It's obviously a lot of points. But I mean, sometimes the Raptors can be shrieky in their scoring ability as well. And I think, yep. you know, um, and just one last thing when it comes to the Raptors, um, the one last thing there is just kind of like the the story of the, the series, I guess, from what I said was that how is t- Toronto going to defend the big three, I guess, of Boston. And so far they kind of been lacking. So that, that to me, that is a huge thing. Like you can, you can contain two out of the three. And I think you, you'll be able to win. You'll possibly win a game. I don't know if it's that yeah, or if it's I mean, they they just can't score. They every one of their shots. If you look at game two, Siakam had 17 points on six of 16 shooting. Fred Van Vliet had 19 on eight of 22 shooting. Kyle Lowry five of 16 for 16 points. OG Ananobi, who led the team in scoring, at 20 on seven of 12. Norman Powell had I don't four think points. It, one I, of five I don't think shooting. it comes down to the Celtics offense being better than the Raptors defense. I think it's the other way around. I, I, the, the, the Celtics defense yeah. is just a little bit better than the Raptors offense right now, because 
with obviously no Kawhi Leonard, your main focus is Pascal Siakam, and they're just trying to get other guys to to beat them, and that hasn't happened yet. But like I said, the X factor for both teams, the X factor for Boston has been Marcus Smart, and I said that before the series started. I said the X factor is Marcus Smart because when he does everything he does defensively and he's shooting three well, that's the X factor. The guy for Toronto that has to step up, has to play better, is Norman Powell. He has to explode. He has to have a game where he's getting 30 like he has been. So he, he has to be the difference for them. He had four points in game two. I was very disappointed. Uh, if he doesn't step up, then I don't think anybody can. I, I don't think Kyle Lowry at this point of his career can kind of do an offensive outburst. And then you got Marcus Saul, you got Serge. Like none of these guys are going to score. So it's – it's it's going to come down to norm, or it's going to come down to just uh, to just Pascal imposing as well on the other team. But still, look at who's look who's taking the most shots. Like you know, Serge Ibaka doesn't yep. isn't yep. a primary score. He took yeah. twelve shots compared to yep. Norman Powell's five. Mark Saul moving on to the shots. last series we're going to talk about, the most important series we're going to talk about. Milwaukee, I watched yes sir entire game yes sir Bucks game one. And boy, was I impressed. Not only because Jimmy Butler had 40 points. Not only because my man, my favorite guy in a Heat jersey, Goran Dragic, had 27 in the opener. Not only because of that. Not only because uh, Brooke Lopez was stroking that thing and he hit a buzzer beater to end the half. But Miami won the game. They did it on incredible team defense, holding the number one scoring team in the league to 104 and won it in regulation, and I was I was very very impressed. Now it is just one game, but they held Giannis to 18 points, and I think it's a mental thing. Miami was in his head. He left six points on the free throw line. He was six for 12, I believe. From oh four oh, so he left eight. He points. was four for even 12. worse. He left eight points on the free throw line. As a team, they didn't shoot it well at all. I don't think. Let's see, they shot it uh, 14 for 26, 53% from the stripe. That is all. Yeah, yeah, that's, Miami, that's, that's, that's 25 to 27. So I feel like Miami did a good job of kind of getting in their head, like on the line. Like they were ve- being very vocal. And I'm glad that the refs didn't think of that as taunting because a lot of times they will, but they just kind of let that happen. Like Miami is really making it hard for Milwaukee mentally and physically. And Zach, very scared. This is what I'll start off with. Obviously, we've seen the game one upsets that have amounted to absolutely nothing. Yep. We saw that in Portland. We saw that in Orlando. Exactly. Um, but here's the thing. This is not the first time that the Heat have beat the Bucks. I think we all know that. Mm-hmm. I think we've all I think essentially me and JP have bragged about it this the, annoyingly um this season. The only team in the league to have a winning percentage against the Milwaukee Bucks, but listen, I, to me, it's no, like I can't help. That's not true. That's not true. They're not the only team. They're they're the only team in the East. They're not the only team to have a, not a winning record. There there are two teams from the West. I forget who they are, but how many how many games did they play compared to? They played. Yeah. They played okay. twice. You get my point. Um, the Heat. I can't help but be not surprised with that game one victory. But here's what I will say, is that I still think that this is not going to be a sweep. This is not going to be a, an easy sweep-away series for the Miami Heat. This is still going to be probably, to me, the toughest series 
uh, right now in the playoffs just because yep. you have the Heat have so much hype going into this because they've had so many wins against the Bucks. I think now it's up to three wins, I think, in the season um, against, against the Bucks. But listen, I, and, another, and another thing, even though you're probably thinking, wow, you're being very kind of hesitant here, Jimmy Butler is not going to score 40 points in yep. every single game. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it's not, not going to happen. Um, but I do think, though, that there is added – there's added pressure to Jimmy. There's definitely a huge chip on his shoulder because people are, are already going to write off this Miami team as being just kind of like, yeah, you know, game one upset. But I mean, you know, game one is just a feeling out process, but game two is where it really starts. I think a statement winning game two can really go a long way for this Heat team. But, but let's just talk about it. Bam had a really good game 12.17 rebounds, six assists. Um, you had obviously Baby Goat score 11 in that game. You had Goron obviously scoring 27. Um, you have – and look here – and this is why I'm also a little bit excited. Duncan Robinson only had four points. One for four from deep. And, and they won. That, that's not, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Time. That's what I was, that happen again. And Butler that's and what Dragic I was are not say. combining for 67. Like, I love Goran Dragic, and he's been playing lights out in the bubble. Lights also, out. Yeah, also to watch Jimmy Butler score three and make it, that's very a hard sight for me to watch sometimes because he never makes it in a clutch situation, but he does now. Obviously, he only did it twice. He only shot it twice. They were in clutch situations. They were in clutch situations where you thought that Milwaukee might have come back from a huge run, but Jimmy Butler says, shh, you know, everything's fine. Let's just keep up the pace because we, we've known Miami. They love to get leads, and they love to blow leads as well. But this is one game where it's like, you know, it was, it was very even match for, for most of the game, and then obviously they kind of straight away with it. To be honest, so, to, to be honest, Milwaukee so, actually did a great okay. job defending Jimmy Butler because their game plan was to make him a jump shooter. You actually just reminded me of something, and you kind of just mentioned it too. We've, we've seen the Miami Heat slow down Giannis. Obviously, we've we said it here before. You can't stop Giannis. That, that there's no way you can do that. You can only just slow him down. He only shot the ball twelve times. That's not going to happen again as well. Um, I thought even even then he was being he should have been at least a little bit more selfish, maybe because shooting the ball twelve times is. But to me, it's more of an account of what the Heat have planned for Giannis and their defense, and they shown they shown it this year. So again, it's a great first win for the Miami Heat. Okay. They just can't be complacent. They got to keep it going. Okay, so on this game, I definitely agree with Zach when he's saying this is a for me, this was a great win yep. because the Heat didn't play their best. Like I said, like you guys said, Jimmy Butler's not gonna score 40 every game. Their win their consistent winning formula isn't Jimmy Butler scoring 40. It, yep. It's a lot more people contributing. Like you said, Duncan Robinson only had four points. But what I was most impressed by, and I don't know why I'm so impressed, but every time they do it. It just shocks me how many guys they threw at Giannis. It wasn't just Bam Adebayo. It was Andre Iguodala, who mm-hmm. played great defense on Giannis. It was Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler. I mean, Derrick Jones Jr. didn't even play. So that's another guy they can throw at Giannis potentially. They have so many guys who are willing to mix it up and who are physical enough to get physical with Giannis and not let him uh and this is why Miami's front brought in I think Crowder and Iguodala from Memphis looking at their roster they were like okay oh yeah if Miami is as good as we think, think they are we are going to meet the bucks in the playoffs we cannot guard him as constructed so let's get 
let's get a former Finals MVP, one of the guys that guarded LeBron for many years, and then then let's get a guy who's jacked that can also guard the guy and still fit the culture and be tough, tough and knock down shots from the outside. They brought in two guys that fit the system beautifully, and now they have four total guys that can guard him, make a tougher one-on-one. Butler, Crowder, Adebayo, and Iguodala. It is a big recipe for success, but... We said that Butler won't score 40 again and Dragic won't score 27 again. Then that means when Butler's not having a good game, Bam has to step up, Robinson has to step up, Hero has to step up, and none has to step up. Step up. They, they... I also think Miami, and y'all can tell me on this if you want. I think Miami is content to let yep. Brooke Lopez and if have 24 points. They don't think Brooke Lopez is going to win some them dummy the game. shots. This could be much. Much better. Chris Middleton was going insane. I don't know. Yeah, some this, of those shots, I this, was this like, "Come on, a twenty-point man. blowout." A, that's a two-k. Chris shot. Middleton hadn't been bailing him out. Look, some of those shots Chris Middleton made. If they were two k, <laughs> I would have thrown the controller up screen. That's just it's just how it is. Nope. Chris Middleton's not going to keep hitting those shots. But what I was saying was, I think Miami's content to let I Brook agree. Lopez have that type of game. I think they're they're a lot less content. With Chris Milton having 28, but they know that those shots were tough. Every shot was tough. They're going to make their whole game plan slowing down Giannis. Because if you slow down Giannis, they're not going to. That, that, that's that's have pretty a much it. I mean, again, like just again piggybacking, just listening to what you guys were saying. I mean, if Brooke Lop- if Brooke Lopez is going to have 24 points in the game and Giannis is going to score less than that, then I'll take that every single day of the week. Um, and I and I don't think that Brooke Lopez will even repeat that game, nor so do I think Chris Middleton. Even though I think Chris Middleton has more of a chance of, of replicating a game like that because we've seen him and he has the ability to do it. Um, but it's to me, that's the whole game plan. Like, again, you're playing, you're going to play defense and everybody else, obviously. But, I mean, if you if you slow down Giannis like this every single game, it's going to lead to a, a huge amount of success. Um, and you're going to let Giannis take the three anytime he wants to. And we've seen it. He went, he went two for five. Um, I think – one of the one of the benefits of having four guys who can guard Giannis is you got, that's like each person has six fouls yep. to give before they foul out. They're willing to send Giannis to the free throw line twelve times because they know they're going to go four of twelve. It's a lot like I know we the NBA has tried to get rid of this, but <laughs> it's hack a shack. Well, I mean that. It's Hackershack because he can't 12 shoot. times. Hackershack's whenever, like, whenever I used to watch the Clippers and they'd foul DeAndre Jordan and make him shoot like 26 free throws. That's 12 shots. But what I'm saying is, Miami's, Miami's content to, like, if they foul and send free throw line, that's fine. We can bring in another dude off the bench who will play physical on Giannis, keep that up. Because nine times out of 10, Giannis is only going to make one of those free throws. He might not even make both of them because he can't shoot. Yeah, the like they that strategy could be implemented in this series, I think, where they're just fouling Giannis. But I don't think he's going to miss that many free throws again. Like I'm sure he took that personally. I guarantee you, from game one to game two, he shot a thousand free throws. Like I promise you, that's <laughs> not going to happen again because he is the freak. He's reigning MVP. He might be the two time MVP. So I I don't think that's going to happen again. But I always go about the X factor. The X factor of both teams. For Milwaukee, it's George Hill. George Hill has – we've seen him explode in the playoffs. We've seen him have a huge impact scoring-wise. He can do that for for the Bucks. 
For the Heat, it's Kendrick Nunn. Now, this is a guy that is – he has to work back in the lineup. He has to feel that pressure now. But if Kendrick Nunn can explode off the bench, because I don't think Milwaukee's – I don't think Miami's going to change the starting lineup this whole series. I think this is starting lineup you're going to see. If Nunn can score off the bench, then that could also be a huge game changer. Yeah, none can. None doesn't even have to like score a bunch. He gets yeah. He, he gets like threat. I know? would say for him, honestly, a good night would be like fourteen points. That right now, because even in the games where they like one of the games they played, the Heat won one hundred five eighty nine against Milwaukee. I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but in that game, Kendrick Nunn had like yeah. plus or minus twelve off there the bench go. and had thirteen points. He's another guy who can bring off the bench and get his own shot. That's going to be the biggest thing for Miami for this series and for the rest of the playoffs if they make it. They need somebody outside of Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I mean, just shot. looking at the just the rest of the box score for the Heat besides the main guys that we talked about, I mean, we usually see guys like Jay Crowder, and we said Duncan already because Duncan adds so much. We've seen guys like Jay Crowder and Duncan Robinson and even even guys like Kelly Olenek who, who score more than what they did. Kelly only scored four points. He only took one shot the whole game. Uh, Kendrick Nunn scored six. Duncan, obviously, we said scored four. And Jay Crowder scored nine. Like Those guys score way more than they usually do. So I feel like from here on out, besides seeing Jimmy Butler score 40 points a game and do what he does best, I think that we're going to see more of a balanced game here. We're not going to see an explosive performance from a guy again like Jimmy Butler has, I think, the rest of the series. Because if we see Jimmy Butler take the amount of shots and do and do what he did that last game, um, it might lead to just unwanted forced shots up into the bucket there. So to me, it's like I think we're going to see more of a balanced scheme from Spo and everybody else yeah. going into game two from there on out. It's, it's definitely going to be a team win. And, and that's where I think – that is the opposite of the Bucks because the Bucks, I think, like if you if you get beat by the Bucks, it's going to be by Giannis and Chris. If you get beat by the Heat, it's going to be by everybody, by one guy. Like one guy beat Milwaukee in game. That's that's not that's not going to happen again. It, it'll be a team effort because that's when they're at their best when they're in the clutch and the, like you know you got Hero, Robinson, Bam making clutch shots. That didn't happen this game. It was all Butler, but. Milwaukee, like I said, they did a good job defensively because they made him t- take a bunch of jump shots, but he he made them. Jimmy Butler is not a good, you know, elbow shooter, not a good three point shooter, but he was in game one. That will not happen again. If it does, and Jimmy Butler wants to go Jamal Murray on him, then he can go Jamal Murray on him if he wants to, and it'll, then it will be a very quick series for Milwaukee. But I believe that just about covers every NBA series. Um, very excited to watch tonight's game. I'm really excited to watch tonight. I, I, I'm gonna get my popcorn. I'm gonna get my, my pajamas on for that one. That pajamas, and that's actually during a class for me. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch that. Uh, yeah, in class. In class. <laughs> um. So Zach brought up before the show because we were wondering what to talk about, and uh, it took me and JP off guard. Um, the NFL, which is something that on this show has not been talked about for a long time. Uh, their season starts next week, and there is no preseason. All preseason games are canceled. Jesus. And um, there will be a total of 13, te- 13 teams playing on a single Sunday, which uh, is ridiculous for the NFL because that's never happened before. Um, 
I, I don't know what to expect. E- even this schedule might not be set in stone because obviously things were changed with COVID and um, everything is a fun situation uh, with the way we are now with the virus. But hopefully, if everything gets better than worse and everything does happen, then NFL is back. And it's, it's, it's going to be very, very, um, very quick and swift. Obviously, no preseason, so it's just right in regular season. And Thursday, you got the first game, Texas and Chiefs. And then, like I said, Sunday, you have most of the NFL competing all day. You got games going on all day. I think this is going to be the biggest test for the NFL. You know, they always publish those numbers about having zero positive COVID cases in training camps. And while those are very positive numbers, it's also because they're practically putting these players in a bubble. They're not going to be playing NFL football in a bubble. So the travel is going to be something that I'm watching, like, specifically. Because, you know, one cluster of cases on the team, yep. and who knows what happens. We've oh, seen it happen with the MLB. Plays, and then you have completely cancellation yeah. of games, and then it's just spiral out of control from there. Yeah, but this is probably going to be the most interesting football season because – you know, although I'm a NFL writer, this snuck up on me. I was shocked when they told me that the season starts next week. So I was like, "Wow, this has been the fastest, and slowest year of <laughs> this, my yeah. life." Yeah, I mean this this year has been right. kind of a roller coaster. Um, but obviously, the reason why I just I brought it up is just because obviously it's so quick. It's coming here really fast. But obviously, you know, we're trying to get I'm trying to get ready for fantasy football and just doing mock drafts and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm excited for the season, even though I don't, I just, the way that they schedule these Monday night games are just, I mean, I don't know why that's a, these two, the, the Monday night games, by the way, are Pittsburgh against the, the Giants and then Tennessee against Denver. Monday like, night football. <laughs> what a, what a Monday night football schedule, which I mean, I, I don't know. Wait, what Pittsburgh were those Monday at night New games? York, Tennessee at Denver. Giants. Wait, which New York? It, it doesn't yeah. matter. Either way. I mean, that matter. Thursday game is awesome just because we had a, a phenomenal playoff game. With those two teams, but yeah. Normally, uh, no, like no, normally, I can kind of say like, yeah, you know, like we got this games on this day, this games on that day. I'm not gonna rattle off all 13 matchups on Sunday. <laughs> You've got like a bunch of games start at one, and then you got yeah. There's just too, there's too many games to count. But the one that I will shout out is uh, my you know future uh, future Hall of Famer uh, Joe Burrow, <laughs> the the week one victory over the Chargers. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, good luck there. Um, the game that I am, the game that I'm most excited for, is you know. I was just about to say, you, you are biased now. First game for the Jags. First game. First game, Colts Jags. I want to see how bad <laughs> we can tank. I want to see how bad we can be. Look, in my lifetime, the Jaguars have never had the number one pick. I want to see us go get it. That'll be the one time I am proud of being being a Jaguars fan because we suck so bad that we are actually getting the number one pick. But in all honesty, we're probably going to win like four or five. We're probably going to win like five, six games and be out of. The I love the Jaguars. They're, they're so consistent at being inconsistent. It's it, it's good to it's good to watch them. Hey. We're not being. It's not even inconsistent. It's just like. We're consistent at being bad. Yeah, but there is so much hype coming after that AFC Championship. You know. Season where oh, people are like, oh, here we go. What? Here comes the you know repeat. I'll, I'll say it like this. I'll say it like this. And one of my co-writers for Big Cat Country said this. The Jaguars are bad until they aren't. 
that that year, that was Jaguars are bad again, as they aren't. They weren't. They weren't. That wasn't sustainable. You want to know why? Because they tried to hide their quarterback, and then they tried to acknowledge. They didn't want to acknowledge they had a problem with the quarterback, so we drafted Taven Bryan instead of Lamar Jackson. Oh, this this, and, this, this sounds know, like the ramblings of a spicy take. <laughs> I, I just want to say one thing. But I'm not even going to talk about the Dolphins game, to be honest. I was because say, I'm sure you're going to shout out your Patriots game. I, I mean, I'll shout it out because honestly, I mean, the, knowing New England now, I mean, which it will be interesting just because I. The first game that I'm going to be watching for the Dolphins this season will also be seeing, which I'm going to think he's going to start probably, most likely 99%, oh. Cam Newton as a starting quarterback there. So it'll be interesting to see how he flows in that Patriots offense with Bill Belichick on the side, just, you know, being Bill Belichick. So, I uh, but the one thing that I want to say going into the season, though, is just looking at the schedule, because I look at the NFL schedule on ESPN.com a lot, of, a lot until – until today when I first took a look at it. And I just, it's so weird. And you mentioned this too, Sawyer, in our chat that we have. It's so weird seeing the that Washington football team logo. It looks, um, it looks like a college team. It really does. Just that W, yellow W, man. That's all it is. It's, 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 which, it's, speaking no, of that, I mean, they, they've no. confirmed that their starting quarterback will be Haskins week one, which not a surprise, but I mean, um, yeah. So, but I, I'm super excited. I'm also super excited to see the Jets suck again. So it's going to be great. So, if there's a team outside of the Jaguars I'm excited to see, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Because okay. that, that offense is going to be so Well, speaking of that division, I'm, I'm excited to see the San Francisco 49ers regress. That's going to be great to watch. Wait, 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 wait. Before <laughs> we continue. I'm going to say what I need to say, JP. If you say what I think you're going to say, I'm just going to say the other thing. Go ahead. Say what you say. I, this is a say football what conversation. Say. You can't you can't chastise me for bringing football to a basketball conversation, then bring basketball to a football conversation. We gotta keep the same. No, go energy, ahead. I'm just know? gonna say I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say. All go I'm ahead. saying is, all I'm saying is, only one of us predicted that the 49ers this is would true. be really good. I thought they were okay. Right, do you want to keep that up? Do you want to keep that same prediction for this season? I I heard that Let's was see. a lot of silence. I heard there, so some hesitation. I think I heard there. Which, by the way. Um, speaking of the Heat fans, which just real quick, Sawyer, I'm sorry to go back to basketball. Oh, we're fine. I don't. JP said <laughs> that the Detroit Pistons. Are you serious? You you like you, you chastised the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons will be you, better you than the Miami Heat. That is what you said. You that is what you said. Me. You, you get mad at me for bringing up this, and then you go bring this. Adam, this is a football conversation. We're talking about okay, the so NFL. I'm going to bring it up anyways. You said you bring, that the Detroit Pistons up. will be better than the Miami Heat. Is, isn't that what you said, this JP? Is That's what you said. This is an that is what you said? Jimmy Butler and a bunch of dudes. You said that too. <laughs> I have already acknowledged that I am wrong for this, and I am willing to take and willing to die on that hill because I knew I was wrong. All I'm saying is somebody on here said, Hey, well, two people on here said, well, one of y'all said. <laughs> two people, one. That, that the yes, Niners that was me. I'm sorry. I apologize. I Other person said they, they didn't make the wild, the wild card. card, so I was technically guess correct. Who, guess who said they were I was going technically to correct. I was technically correct. No, you they weren't. Didn't, they they didn't lose. get to the wild card round, so I, that, <laughs> I, I'm correct. But it was a win. They but they, the they didn't win or lose in the wild card game, so I was correct. 
Here we go. Here we go again with this. Okay, let's let's stay on task, guys. To watch. What? I'm gonna say one more game that I'm excited to watch. Sorry, then you could say it. Which again, you said that the Pistons would be better than the Heat. The one game I'm excited about. Um. Going into this, it, it actually is a San Francisco Arizona game, like you mentioned, though. To be honest, just because I think it, I'm not gonna say passing of the torch, but we're gonna see how much improvement or regressment, like we've said before, that these teams will make. Because I think that Arizona will take a significant boost here. Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray in their second season together, um, adding DeAndre Hopkins as that weapon, and, and even having other weapons like obviously, Fitz, I mean, Fitz is like he's immortal, so he'll be there and he'll contribute. But even like in the running back position, we saw what Kenyon Drake can do last season uh, in being that dual back running back that I thought he could be in Miami. But, you know, when you have Adam Gaze as your coach, it's not that's not going to work out well. Um, but you they worked him him in the in that system so well in Arizona last year uh, that the offensive line is still a little bit of a question there. Obviously, they, they added a guy, though. Um but I, I do think that, that there's going to be some improvement there. And I honestly am not just saying this because we had that whole debate about San Francisco. I do think that there is definitely some some regression that's going to happen here for, for San Francisco. And um, I don't know how severe it's going to be. I don't think it'd be that severe. I think they're still a fine team. I just don't know if they're going to uh, make it make a huge, huge impact in the NFL like they did last season. Um, but that, I am excited for that I, game. The biggest thing for the 49ers, if I'm going both sides of the ball, offensively, a lot of their receivers are injured. Um, Debo Samuel is injured. Um, Brandon Ayuk, their first-round pick, is injured. Jalen Hurd is still injured. They're going to be running with a mass unit out there as their starting wide receivers. On defense, how much will the loss of DeForest Buckner affect that team? They traded DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts, which, I mean, life gets worse for a Jags fan. Um, and drafted Javon Kinlaw with their first, with their other first round pick. So, can Javon Kinlaw immediately create, immediately bring back some of that production the Forrest Buckner had? Probably not. But is he talented enough to keep that, not to have a drastic drop off from Buckner to Kinlaw? That's something I'm going to be intri- intrigued to see, especially against the Cardinals' offensive line. For the Cardinals, I just want to see DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. That's really one of the main reasons why I said the Cardinals are really going to be interesting. And also, I want to see how they deploy Isaiah Simmons. He's their first-round pick. I wanted the Jaguars to pick him, but they got him a a pick before us. I want to see how the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals uses him. I wouldn't use him in the middle linebacker as a middle linebacker because that's taking away his best ability, which is his playmaking speed. Keep him on the outside, play him as a box safety, play him over a slot receiver, and let him run and go make plays. If they can do that, Isaiah Simmons will have a really productive career in Arizona, and that team's going to be really fun to watch. And for me, besides the Bengals, like I said, a team for me to watch, uh, I'm going to watch the Green Bay Packers because I'm excited to see how Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard, and I really want to see that Aaron Rodgers offense be – the Aaron Rodgers offense that we know, and I hope that they can be really, really like high scoring and dynamic because I, Aaron, they obviously have a lot to improve upon. And uh, last year's playoff run was disappointing. If you are a if you are a cheesehead, so I'm excited to see if Green Bay can maybe bounce back and make a deeper, deeper run 
and maybe 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 win the whole thing just maybe who knows who knows all right boys uh, fuck green I'm, bay? I'm, I'm, I'm just just trying well, here's to the, here's a couple things in green bay i just want to say real quick though is that you know yeah it, it's, it's weird how disappointing of a season it was when they it's it's like on paper it, it was great i mean they had double digit wins and they also made it to the nfc championship game against uh San Francisco, uh-huh. um, but their draft, I mean, which I, I, I honestly don't remember if we talked about the draft on the show, but, like, their draft was just hugely disappointing, especially in those first couple rounds. Uh, it was Because the one thing you needed terrible. to get Aaron Rodgers was one of those top receivers, or just because that receiver class was just absolutely phenomenal, and they didn't do that. They got Jordan Love, which, I mean, I don't hate that pick, but still, I, I would have picked somewhere else. And then in the second round, you get a running back, which... I don't think that's a need. I think what a need is that your receivers and you need the receivers besides Adams. Um, I think Geronimo Allison is not on that team anymore. And I, Scanling, I'm not sure it's on the team of Alan Lazard. That is not a deep receiver group at all. You have to have someone else that's explosive on that team. I think Devin Funches opted out of the season as well. So yeah, I, 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 I'm, I just feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. I'm hoping that they can make a mega push for someone um, but I mean, Devontae Adams, I mean, he's going to have a, a phenomenal season like he usually does. Bold prediction, bold prediction. He, he leads all receivers in receiving yards this year. Who? Oh, Devontae Adams. Oh. Get out of here. Calling it. Get out Calling of it. here. No. We need to do what no. it takes because I have to get to another class and uh, we have to <laughs> hang along. So uh, who, who did the first one last week? I, th- I think, I think did. did. I'm going to go last this time and then – JP, you go first. All right. So, as I said on here during talk about NFL preview, I'm now a um, well since like February, I am a sports writer for Big Cat Country, an SB Nation affiliate for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I do a lot of cool writing on there. Um, recently, one of my articles got retweeted by uh, Jimmy Smith. If you don't know who Jimmy Smith is, he's a legendary Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver. I think he's in the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, ring of honor. But, yeah, if you go, and this is a shameless plug, but if you go check out the article, I talk about kind of the schematics behind a Jay Gruden-led offense who's a new offensive coordinator for the Jaguars and why Leonard Fournette didn't fit, so they had to release him. But as much as I'm cautious and wary of the coronavirus and what it, and what it can affect, especially on players, especially not having a bubble, I am very excited for this football season because I'm excited to fire off some football takes, man. Zach? All right, so real quick, some news. The Patriots have expressed interest in Leonard Fournette, so that's uh, the Patriots doing their little stuff there. Um, He's going to be a pro bowler. The Patriots... Um, I really um, okay, so let's let's see. So I was, you know, I was going to say like maybe I should talk about NXT just because me and JP had a nice conversation there, but I'm not going to. Um, which is wrestling. You don't want to talk about the big dog winning the w- the universe title? Okay, yeah, actually, you just changed my mind. I should talk about that. Okay, um, real quick, this is not gonna take a long story. <laughs> um, so payback, um, was Sunday. And, you know, it's one of those, it was like literally a pay-per-view a week after SummerSlam, which is crazy. So the big main event for the Universal title was The Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns, Big Dog, Wreck Everyone and Leave. And as you might have predicted, uh, Roman Reigns did end up 
having the title away, the Fiend only had it for a week, being a transitional champ, which really just not doesn't sit right with me. But obviously with Paul Heyman, Roman Reigns showing off some heel tendencies there, uh, which is great to see. I mean, fans have been wanting to see him for so long be a heel. Um, so it was good to see. It was just that, man, I mean, I wish they didn't give the Fiend a weak title reign. That just really doesn't sit well with me. But And there's a lot of reports going on that he might hold the title until Mania. So we'll see. Um, but I'm hoping that they don't ruin the Fiend. I hope they don't bury him uh, because that's a character that everybody loves, everybody watches for, uh, which they're setting up a whole thing with like Alexa Bliss maybe being like the Harley Quinn to the Joker, which that's interesting to see nonetheless. But uh, I'm hoping Finn Balor can pull out the NXT title next week. But I mean, just one more thing. Quick spicy take about the Miami Dolphins that – because I see a lot of people saying that maybe it may be playoffs. Maybe no. Let's calm down. Let's calm down. Um, I do think they'll they'll improve in a lot of areas. Brian Flores in the second season will be exciting to watch. But let's just just chill out. But the future is very bright for Miami. So that's all I have to say. And for me, uh, this might this is like the third consecutive uh, third consecutive take where I utilize this time to talk about something that I cannot talk about with anybody else really. And that is uh, Professional Call of Duty, which I know is going to come to no shock to anybody except me. But um, huge news. Huge news in the world of competitive COD. First thing I want to do is shout out the Dallas Empire, who won the Modern Warfare Championship. Uh, it, they won $1.5 million split between five people. So that's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of money. Um, but after this happened, uh, I want to shout out a pro guy named Clayster. Uh, his name is... Clayster is his like uh, his gamer tag. For those of you who don't know, you don't go by your actual name when you play. You go by your gamer tag. But his uh, real name is James Eubanks. And what happened was, so he was on the team that won. So he's a he's a world champion. He's now a three time world champion. And there are only two other guys to be world champion. He's kind of a big deal. He's like COD royalty. Call of Duty makes an announcement. That they are going back to a 4v4 professional format. And this was just the second year in a row where they went to a 5v5 format. So when World War II happened, it was 4v4. Then it went to 5v5 for the CWL's last season, the Call of Duty World League. Then the CWL got dropped and it went to the CDL, which is the Call of Duty League, and it went to franchising. Which I talked about on the show, franchising is where you're being backed by um, multiple multiple organizations, where you're no longer just a game organization. You have a lot more ad revenue, and you are now representing a a city or even a country. Like for instance, the, you got the Paris Legion, you have the Atlanta Phase, you have Optic Gaming Los Angeles, and so on and so forth. So there's only 12 teams. So just imagine the craziness that's going to happen when we go from 5v5 to 4v4. So now instead of having 60 players, you have 48 players. I am super duper excited to see the roster mania that happens to see what kind of roster changes are made and how many guys get dropped because obviously a lot of guys are not going to be very happy because they're going to lose their spots, but that just means it's going to be better competition. It's going to be a lot easier to follow too. 5v5 was kind of sporadic and the way the game worked, it wasn't good. Like the game mechanics were really off in 5v5. So going back to 4v4 and we're going to Treyarch. Treyarch is the best Call of Duty uh, organization. Um, it's just easy all around. Very, very, very excited about that. Um, so shout out to Dallas Empire. Shout out to Clayster getting that third ring. He's also the oldest COD pro. He's like 30. He, the, he's called the granddad of Call of Duty. 
and uh, I'm just excited. And yeah, that's going to be it for me. That's going to be it for JP Acosta. That's going to be it for Zach Weinberger. And uh, my name is Sora Stoltz, and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace out.